Thanks for checking out the weekly sermon from Church of the Resurrection. We pray that God will use this message to speak to you and help you grow in your faith journey. We'd like to invite you to join us next week at one of our services, whether in live worship online at court.org live or in person at one of our locations in the Kansas City area. Church of the Resurrection is one church in multiple locations. To learn more about our service times and ministries, please visit Quora.org. We hope you enjoy this message. As we continue in worship, I invite you to hear these words of scripture from Isaiah 6. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a high and exalted throne, the edges of his robe filling the temple. Winged creatures were stationed around him. Each had six wings, with the two they veiled their faces, with the two their feet, and with two they flew about. They shouted to each other saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heavenly forces. All the earth is filled with God's glory. The door frame shook at the sound of their shouting and the house was filled with the smoke. I said, mourn for me, I'm ruined. I'm a man with unclean lips, and I live among people with unclean lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heavenly forces. Then one of the winged creatures flew to me, holding a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with tongues. He touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt has departed, and your sin is removed. Then I heard the Lord's voice saying, whom should I send and who will go for us? I said, I'm here, send me. May God add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of scripture. Hello, Resurrection. I'm Robert Johnson. I'm the new location pastor here at our Leewood campus of, United, of the United Methodist Church of the Resurrection, and I'm standing before you to preach for the first time. In this first message, some of my teammates thought it was important that I tell you a little about myself because most of you have never met me, and only a few of you know anything about me. So I want to do that today, but I want to tie it to the text, which happens to be, by the way, one of my favorite biblical passages I remember hearing it for the first time when I heard a young adult preach on this passage in his first sermon in my childhood church. And while I don't remember much about that message, what I do remember is that at the end of the message with him weeping before the Lord, I remember him saying over and over again, Lord, here am I, send me. Lord, here am I, send me. Lord, here am I, send me. So I wanna tell you a little about myself, but I wanna do it without taking up much time. So I wanna use a poetic ploy that young adults use uh, to define themselves sometimes to the world. I'm from filled peas and fried okra, from wild plums, ginormous blackberries, and sweet watermelon. I'm from long, hot, sweaty Mississippi summers and attic fans. I'm from Robert and Ruth Johnson. I'm from four amazing siblings. I'm from Missionary Baptist and Black Pentecostals. I'm from USM 
and SMU. I'm from LZ Blankenship and R.S. Porter. I'm from Zan Holmes and Kirby John Caldwell. I'm from Schubert Ogden and James Cone. I'm from Lynn Sweet and Adam Hamilton. I'm from the Deep South and the Southwest, which means I'm from hurricanes and floods. I'm from the Mississippi Blues and the New Orleans Jazz. I'm from Louis Armstrong and John Coltrane. I'm from the Spiritual Quartets and I'm from traditional hymns. I'm from mass choirs and praise teams. I'm from Mahalia Jackson and James Cleveland from Fred Hammond and Bethel Music. I'm from Mount Vernon, St. Paul, Disciples, Windsor Village. I'm from New World, Aldersgate, and St. Mark. I'm from Medgar, Malcolm, and Martin. I'm from Sojourner and Harriet. I'm from Ida and Rosa. I'm from Louise, my mother-in-law. And I'm from Giselle and Kayla. Resurrection, as you already know, I'm from Linda. I'm from Grace, despite bad decisions. I'm the guy who often took the wrong road, but by the grace of God still ended up in a good place. I'm from the miracle of surviving three simultaneous strokes. And most of all, I'm from the one that we call wonderful counselor and Prince of Peace. I am unashamedly and unapologetically a follower of Jesus Christ. And I'm from the people who refer to good worship services as good church. Now, when we say good church, Typically, what we're referring to is a kind of consumer entertainment perspective on worship. So when we say we had good church, what we typically mean is that we like the music or the volume on the music. Uh, we like the dance team, the performance of the dance team, or we like uh, the execution of the bell ministry or a really funny joke or an inspiring story told by the preacher in the sermon. Good church in this sense means that the contents of the worship met our personal preferences. And if they met our personal preferences, then, then that's good church. In my black church circles, the meaning of good church is even more extreme and culturally defined. It means that the preacher hooped, at least a little. It means that the choir danced. It means that the Holy Spirit allegedly made someone get up and start running. There was an emotional explosion that spread Throughout the congregation and two babies' daddies came up to the altar to repent. In many of my predominantly black church circles, there are many things you need to have uh, to have good church, but these things have to be there. A person in these churches might even say that God showed up today, which is to imply that if they didn't enjoy the service, if they didn't like the music, if they didn't like the sermon, that God didn't show up. And I am desperately hoping, hoping that you see that as problematic. Quite the opposite of the good church experience of some black churches, many churches define good church as quiet and peaceful and contemplative worship experience. For some people, good church is any worship service that doesn't ask for an offering. And in some worship experiences, good church is any worship services that's less than an hour. And if it's less than 45 minutes, we go to a new category called amazing church. And hey, I'm not here to bother anybody about their preferences for worship. If it works for you, if it draws you closer to God, then I have no complaints about it. Resurrection, what would it take for you today to say we had good church? 
I want to share with you here from our text an example of good church that's quite different from our own. Isaiah the prophet, who is uh, at the center of this passage, is looking back over his life and reflecting on this turning point moment in his life when he had an encounter with God that radically changed his life, that set him on a path of a mission that defined the rest of his life. And not only was it defining for him, it was also defining for his wife, who is referred to in scripture as the prophetess. It's also defining for his children who are named after, after prophetic words that God gives to Isaiah to give to the people. One son's name meant a remnant shall return and the other son's name meant quickly to spoils, plunder speedily. Because of this moment, Isaiah was not just a person who delivered a few prophetic messages. His whole life was caught up in bearing God's word to God's people. Isaiah becomes one of the most influential and impactful voices in Judeo-Christian heritage because second only to Moses because of this one defining moment that for him was good church. And Isaiah's good church experience is particularly relevant for us, resurrection, because while it is usually assumed that this, this is an experience that happens in the actual temple, the text isn't clear about whether it's an actual experience or whether it's a vision. In fact, there's a version of this story in which Isaiah encounters God in his study. And I love the ambiguity of that because about his location because it, what, what matters is not where Isaiah is, what matters is that he has an experience with the living God. And that implies for us, that's why it's relevant for us, it implies for us that good church can happen anywhere and at any time because it's not the location that matters. What matters is that we have an encounter with God. To all of our online viewers in the KC area, we would love to see you in this place. We want you to come back if you haven't been back since COVID ended. In this building, worshiping with us in person. Nevertheless, no matter your location when you worship with us, we're praying today that you will have an encounter with God. To all of our online viewers and all of you in this place right now, we hope that you enjoy the music. We hope you enjoy the sermon, but most of all, we're praying that you will be overwhelmed by the glory of God because that's good church. It reminds me of something uh, that a mentor said of me. He said to me on occasion to not worry in my younger years of ministry, not worry so much about how to figure out how to get people to come into my buildings, but to try to figure out how to get God to show up in my buildings. Because if God shows up, and people get set on fire with the presence and love of God, nothing is more attractive and nothing is more enduringly transforming than when people are on fire with the presence and love of God. Furthermore, Isaiah's good church experience is defined by the exposure of his sin and idolatry, which is exactly what happens, right, when we have an encounter with God. Isaiah encounters God, and as he puts it, he saw the Lord, in the year that King Uzziah dies, dating his vision of God in the temple in dark and ambiguous times, shown, for example, if you read the rest of that passage in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, it's an arduous assignment that Isaiah is giving, given. It was also a time in which the Assyrians were planning to attack and take over Jerusalem. 
Uzziah, who had been a good king for most of his years, had felt fallen into pride and apostasy and ended up dying in shame and humiliation. Most of all, Isaiah saw that God's people had become engulfed in sins of injustice and idolatry. And it bothered him. That may have been the reason that, uh, uh, that may have been what provoked him into the presence of God is that he was angry and in despair about the sins of his people. But when he enters into the presence of God and he has his vision, whether it's in his office or whether it's at home or whether it's in the temple, when he encounters the living God, he realizes that idolatry has crept into his own heart, that somewhere along the way, somehow he had replaced trust in God with trust in Judah's kings and in capacity of God's people to be faithful to God. He had come to identify the glory of God with particular things and particular people. And he had to be reminded that the whole earth is full of God's glory. He was just like the people that he was about to indict. And so, Isaiah, his idolatry, his sinfulness is revealed. And we hear, see in the text where he cries out, Oh Lord, I'm a wretch undone because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among people of unclean lips. This is exactly what happens in good church. Good church as defined by scripture is an experience where we encounter the living God and we become acutely aware of our own sin and our own need for cleansing. When we encounter God for our first reaction isn't smugness. It's not arrogance or self-righteousness or blame. When we leave a worship service feeling self-righteous and pointing fingers of blame at everyone else, that's a sure sign that we haven't encountered the King of glory in whose image we are made. Rather, we have been engaged in the worship of a magnified projection of ourselves and is leaving us watering drowning in arrogance and self-righteousness. Good church, on the other hand, an encounter with the King of glory provokes us to cry out, Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I want you to change the world. I want you to change my family. Lord, I want you to change my community. Change the world, but let the work of transformation begin with me because I am a sinner of sinners. By the way, it is this sin exposing idolatry-destroying power that makes worship so important to our spiritual well-being. In the course of just one week, the forces of evil can plant a lot of seeds of idolatry in us, and if we go too long without good church, without having an encounter with the King of glory, those seeds mature into lies that turn us into self-destructive people who are at war with God and at war with our own well-being. A friend of mine put this truth in a song and she says, I live to worship you, O God, but also worship you to live. Worshiping you is my life. That's it. Worship is life because it breaks us free from the power of idolatry and sets us free for joyful obedience to the King of glory. Resurrection, there's one more thing we learned about good church from Isaiah. We learned from Isaiah's experience that good church turns us into good servants. When we encounter God and have our sins exposed and expunged and we have our hearts set free from idolatry, we feel compelled to offer ourselves to God and to serve God and God's people. Is this not what happens to Isaiah? At the close of the vision, Isaiah hears God asking, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah feels compelled to answer, here am I, send me. 
We usually label this as Isaiah's call story, but actually the text, if you read the text closely, this story doesn't so much say that Isaiah was called. It says he volunteered. Hear my Lord, send me. Contrary to what we often see in churches, good church doesn't turn us into monuments, doesn't turn us into mavens, doesn't turn us into mavericks or little messiahs. Good church turns us into missionaries who are willing to serve God and serve God's people. This is how the glory of God gets revealed and unveiled in the earth. I'm sure that when Isaiah began his ministry, saying, Lord, here am I, send me, that as he began and began to, that arduous task, of, as the text describes in verses 9 through 13, of, of building up and tearing down and facing uh, the sinfulness of, this, of the people and the rebellion of the people and the unwillingness of the people to hear that there was a part of him that says, though I know that the whole earth is full of the glory of God, but I don't see it. I mean, we know what that experience is like when we know that the earth is full of God's glory, but we look all around us and we see poverty and we see crime and we see political chaos and we see racism and sexism and we see hate. And sometimes it's just absolutely hard to see that the earth is filled with the glory of God. Maybe this is why Isaiah understood as he got older and was looking back on this call story that not only was the moment where he said, here am I, send me important, but it was also important that he engage in that work so that the glory that he saw in that vision or in the temple that it gets uncovered in the earth so later in Isaiah over in chapter 40 40 he says prepare the way of the Lord make straight in the desert a highway for our God every valley shall be exalted every mountain and hill brought low the crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth and the glory of the Lord will be revealed and we'll all see it together. It takes work. It takes us cooperating with God, working with God. It takes us saying, Lord, here am I, send me in order for the glory of God that fills the earth to be unveiled. I want to close with three quick examples of people who came out of their own experiences of good church, hearing the call to do the work of unveiling the glory of God, and they said, send me. My first example is my childhood pastor. His name was L.Z. Blankenship. He was born in 1918 in poverty and despair in black life in Mississippi. His highest level of education was a certificate from a now defunct school called the Prentice Institute. But he had an encounter with God in his bedroom one night. He used to tell me this story in my youth. He would tell me the story of, of this encounter he had with God in his bedroom one night. He said that he almost died from that call, but that in the midst of this encounter, he found himself saying, Lord, I'll go. Lord, I'll go. Here am I. Send me. He ended up not only being a pastor and a civil rights activist in Mississippi in a time when it was dangerous just to be a black man in Mississippi, but he also started a nonprofit organization called the Pearl River Valley Opportunity through which he started Head Start programs in counties across South Mississippi. And that became PRVO, a multi-purpose social service agency providing healthcare, food, housing, and transportation for poor and underserved Mississippians. By the time of his retirement in the mid 90s, Pearl River Valley Opportunity had, become, had an operation, operating budget of over $23 million. 
He became vice president in the National Baptist Convention of America and, and eventually a civil rights advisor to the Nixon administration. Yes, a black man born into poverty and despair with no formal education helped to unveil the glory of God in the earth and for poor Mississippians because he turned good church into good service and said to the Lord, here am I, send me. My second example is a youth from St. Mark United Methodist Church. Sophia is a foster child. And when St. Mark was in the midst of COVID as you were resurrection, and we were deliberating about when to reopen, I got a message from Sophia's mother saying, Pastor Sophia says we need to reopen the church because it's important for us to come back together and worship. A little while later, I found out that Sophia was enduring her second battle, her second battle with cancerous brain tumors. And I felt compelled to heed Sophia's request. And on Easter Sunday of 2022, St. Mark fully reopened. And I'll never forget that day, walking to my seat, London and I getting to our seats. And I looked up and we were beginning, about to begin worship. And there was Sophia standing front and center on the stage, preparing to dance with other youth. Just an amazing example of someone who loves church, who loves good church, who participates in good church and understood how important it is to activate us for unveiling the glory of God in the earth. And my final example is Sherry Anderson, another St. Mark and a hero of mine who became a hero during the pandemic. And while we were completely shut down, we began to ask members to be sure to call. Don't wait for the pastors, don't wait for staff, but you all be sure to call, call and check on each other. And I found out uh, that this one person, Sherry, had been calling as many people as she could every day. And here's the thing about Sherry, she's had a hard life. And there's a picture of her that you will see. She's had a hard life. As a matter of fact, in the grade school, she was attacked by a group of kids who were bullying her and beaten uh, within an inch of her life and was blinded from that accident and was uh, deeply disfigured from that, from that accident. But at a time when everyone else was thinking only of themselves, Sherry was thinking of others. So in the summer of 2022 at St. Mark, at our church anniversary, we started what we called the Hall of Fame for, of Possibilities and Transformation. And Sherry was in the first class of inductees because as one who loves good church, she did the work of unveiling God's glory in the worst of times. Resurrection, God is calling you. God's glory needs to be unveiled in the earth and even right here on our campuses and on Sundays. And I wanna invite you to say today, Lord, here am I, send me. Listen, if you've heard this message today, you've probably heard some, had some good church moments in which you encountered God's presence. It may have been in a worship service, it may not have been, but that's okay. No matter where it happened, I can assure you that God's desire in that encounter was not, was not only that you would, your life would change, but that you would leave from that moment and go and change the world. God's desire in that moment of encounter was that you would hear the eternal divine call, who will go for us? Whom shall I send? And that you will say, Lord, here am I, send me. If you're worshiping with us online, I wanna give you a specific way, uh, on, whether on TV or online or in the KCR, I wanna give you a specific way that you can respond to God's call today. We have lots of opportunities to serve and worship at all of our locations 
And, uh, and we also have opportunities for you to serve in your community. So wherever you are, we encourage you, invite you to come, say yes to the Lord, get involved, help us unveil the glory of God in the earth. Here am I, send me. Would you join me in prayer? God, thank you for every time we've had a good church moment. Thank you for visiting with us. Thank you for showing us your glory. Thank you for loving us, cleansing us, freeing us from our idolatries. And God, here we are again at the end of another what we hope has been a good church moment for your people. God, we ask you to give us the grace that we need to say yes to your call. We know that you are calling us to participate in the work of unveiling your glory in the earth. God, we are so grateful for your presence and your ongoing grace. So we ask that you would help us in this moment with every fiber of our being to say yes. Here am I, Lord. Send me. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for watching this week's sermon. We'd love for you to join us again for live worship online or in person. To learn more about Church of the Resurrection, please visit core.org. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.